Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice, Dice in, in My Mind. You know, as we record this, this is a um, very tough time in the world with a lot of things going on. And I, you know, obviously overseas, and I just saw that there's an increase in COVID over in China again. Mm-hmm. And there is a lighthearted end to this, by the way. Um, but on the good news front, um, I just found out that Jason oh, actually paid, paid money, paid money to join a sports pool for the college tournament. Jason, you can't respond. I just want everyone to soak that in if they know it. Um, if they know us now, everybody knows that we really don't talk about sports on here because it would be a one-person conversation with me. I am all about um, sports ball. I yeah, really I know. I know you love it. So I, um, I haven't done any brackets this year. Jason paid money, granted five bucks. Five bucks to a friend. To pay a bracket. Yeah. Okay, now that that's out of the way. So... We have our, our first, this is our first returning guest. Yes. So um, we had someone who actually joined us and, and chatted with us before and was yeah. willing, willing to come back. Proof so, that we're not the only two with poor judgment. Exactly. Green Ronin developer at large, Malcolm Shepard, has over 20 years of experience in the RPG industry as a writer, designer, and developer, starting with work on The Mage, The Ascension Line for White Wolf. His other credits include work on Exalted, Shadowrun, Scion, Vampire the Masquerade, numerous Chronicles of Darkness titles, Blue Rose, and Fantasy Age. Now at Green Ronin, his work focuses on the modern age RPG, along with other age system works, though he's also developed Orc, the role-playing game, and performed writing and editing duties for the Sword Chronicle RPG. Malcolm lives in Ontario, Canada, and coaches historical fencing, rapiers, and longswords and such on the side. On the good news front, um, I just found out that Jason oh, actually paid, paid money, paid money, to join a sports pool for the college tournament. Jason, you can't respond. I just want everyone to soak that in if they know it. Um, if they know us now, everybody knows that we really don't talk about sports on here because it would be a one-person conversation with me. I am all about um, sports ball. I yeah, really... I know. I know you love it. So I, um, I haven't done any brackets this year. Jason paid money, granted five bucks. Five bucks to a friend. Uh, to pay a bracket. Yeah. Okay, now that that's out of the way. So... We have our, our first, this is our first returning guest. Yes. So um, we had someone who actually joined us and, and chatted with us before and was yeah. willing, willing to come back. Proof so, that we're not the only two with poor judgment. Exactly. Oh, um, I'm very pleased to, to come back. Yeah, so, thanks so much for being here. 12 episodes later. Well, well we probably way, should introduce who it is. So it's Malcolm we should, Shepherd, we should say that, you know, yes. And Malcolm works at works with Green Ronin. Um and has been busy over there. I'll leave that open for a topic of discussion. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you can go back and listen to our original episode. I would recommend doing it because it's going to probably just kind of flow into what we're talking about tonight. Um, it'll be a good um, episode move. And I do know that I found out that um, there are people that I know from past jobs that are actually listening to our podcast now. 
So, hmm. um, so Tony, I can't believe you're listening to this and we didn't pay you. So appreciate it much, but Malcolm, should have put so, him on a bracket. I should. Oh, that's whatever. That's a hell of an awkward segue, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to re-segue this. No, no, so, no, no. Just go. Just go. So, so, so Malcolm, what's going on at what's Green Road these days? Um, yeah. Well, uh, I guess I guess I should do the plug. So uh, yes. I uh, develop a game called Cthulhu Awakens, uh, yes. and Cthulhu Awakens is currently on Kickstarter, and it is a tabletop role playing game using the uh, age system uh, mm-hmm. because I develop age system based things. Um, I'm the modern age developer as well. And uh, this game is an exploration of the Cthulhu mythos through a hundred year period we call the weird century. Uh, And one of the axioms of the game is, uh, and I just kind of want to get this out and then explain it in context. Yeah. uh, Is that we assume that basically all of uh, our stuff is based on uh, what's in the open source. Uh, and that includes the work of H.P. Lovecraft, who was a uh, exceptionally racist, even for his time. Um, and uh, so we basically assume that all of those stories uh, feature unreliable narrators and uh, anything which makes uh, which makes racism in particular. Uh, but other forms of discrimination seem like objective factors in the yeah. world yeah. Um, are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're just incorrect in, in our setting. Um, so, what are so there's no, just so there's no overlap with anything else out on the market is what you're saying, right? <laughs> or, or there's no, you're using open source material and nothing from any other, no, yeah, nothing from anybody else. Okay. Uh, nothing from anybody else that is an open source. Yeah. And uh, but you know, this was announced way early on, even before our Kickstarter. Our Kickstarter did fund, and it's in the last few days. Uh, and there are nice. some specials that we'd really like to open up. We are uh, you're at seventy seven thousand, so almost eight thousand. Man, we kind of like to get to a hundred so that we can fuel this uh, supplement called Weirdness Overflowing, mm-hmm. uh, in particular. And uh, but anyway, context. Yes, the context. Yeah. We've mentioned this before, um, but the thing is, is that it makes it sound like we're the greatest people in the world for performing what is essentially morally obligatory yeah well we talk about uh, when we talk about inclusivity right yeah and it's hard to communicate that because well for one thing um mentioning it at all makes it look like we're patting ourselves on the back but we want to mention it we want to mention it so that people who have felt excluded feel welcome and also so that people who like uh like the racism so they don't feel welcome. Right. Right. Yep. <laughs> it's Call a way it to is. kind of cure. It's a, it's a way to kind of curate our, our fans. Right. Um, but that middle ground is difficult to communicate. So we had some, Oh, uh, we had an early article, uh, 
claim that, you know, make it sound like we thought the entire cosmic horror genre was was inherently racist, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and no, that's not what we believe. And it also made it look like we were taking a steaming dump on some very good other games too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that this was maybe intended as a replacement for them. And that's not mm-hmm. true. This is not intended as a replacement for uh, Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which are both great games. Call of Cthulhu is one of, you know, or Trail of Cthulhu, right? Uh, Call of Cthulhu is one of the greatest role-playing games ever made, right? Mm. Um, And, you know, certainly you can have conversations back and forth about uh, how it frames Lovecraft and, you know, its line editorial developmental stance and things like that. But, you know, I certainly don't think it was created from a place of, you know, uh white supremacist animosity or anything like that um and even though lovecraft had a lot of white supremacist animosity right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and certainly delta green's very specific setting based tech is is fantastic um Mm -hmm. and uh and in fact we were lucky enough to uh to have one person uh, who was kind of associated with that uh, mythos Delta Green crew actually take a look at our manuscript to make sure that we weren't nice. accidentally uh, nice. lifting anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had, you know, we've had other contacts. So it's not like we're not coming in with our fists raised, ready to punch anybody else in the face. Uh because they also have a mythos game. The entire premise this is based on is the idea that it doesn't belong to HP Lovecraft or yeah. any particular clique, right? Yeah. So people can take it and do what they want with it. Excellent. Um, which leads to kind of the last thing in that, you know, also, well, because Call of Cthulhu is one of the greatest role-playing games ever made, there is a tendency for it to exert a certain kind of gravity um in conceptually speaking um and there's no real getting around that however uh what we want to do with this game is a little different than what call of cthulhu does right and it's not because of the inclusivity um it's because we want you to feel free to pursue a more action-oriented game if you like Mm -hmm. right and also you know as an outsider i've never worked on the game i've never worked on call of cthulhu um but you know as someone who you know has a couple of copies of it around um and has observed it and enjoyed it uh for a long time uh that call of cthulhu's stance toward the mythos toward the cthulhu mythos is very much in the vein of literary homage right Mm -hmm. in that it takes lovecraft and lovecraft circles works um and it takes basically the parts uh, that Sandy Peterson uh, likes and, and feels cleaves to a certain certain theme, um, you know, Sandy Peterson collaborators and forms a setting around it. But the basis of the setting is fundamentally literary, right? Okay. Um, you're going, you know, the idea is that, you know, you have, you have an experience like an experience from the stories. Um Right. However, we don't really have that approach um, in that. Instead, what we do is we kind of use it as the basis for an original setting. 
right? So we have specific material events that happen during the weird century period. Um, the weird century is from the uh, roughly from the 1920s to now, right? And that's the area we cover. So that's one big difference is that you can play throughout that period. Yeah. And there are even some weird time tra travel options too. Um, but, you know, we we do extend things into into specific things that are ours, right? Um, like one of the planks is, you know, uh, Yithian history shaping espionage, right? And you do see that a little bit in Delta Green, um, but I didn't find that out until I did a search for it two days ago. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, so you know, that's something that we did on our own and has a different orientation, right? Um, you know, our Shoggoths have abilities that are not in other stories, um, and and a couple of other elements like that well a number of other elements it's very tightly integrated and that was a very long run-on explanation and why don't you back that kickstarter audience well yeah, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. that's as pluggy as i get no like, no, no that's good that's great <laughs> i mean you've got like you said you've i mean it's approaching 80 grand you fund it in 40 minutes yeah. um you can Man. get i mean in all honesty you have your stretch goals and everything like that. You can get print editions of this really just I, looking at what it is starting at around 60 bucks. You can get a printed book and you mm -hmm. get the special edition. If you go above it now, I'm Jason and I both are like print edition people. We love having, yeah. I mean, I like having the PDF, but I, I, yeah, I like a print. I yeah. should note that we have a roll 20 option too. Um, cool. So yeah, there's a roll 20 version of the book that will, uh, that will go through production simultaneous with the wow. uh, print edition, right? Yeah, you you that was actually you you kept it you kept it really succinct. I would have um, when now this was like a couple. This is probably what a month and a half ago or so when um, you you had Green Ronin invited me to luckily to when yeah. you did the kind of the intro right around the Kickstarter yeah. time. Yeah, and you described it, and I I remember sitting to myself. I'm like, okay, he's like telling a story. I'm glued to this, um, to the idea of this game using um, the age system. You are going to be able to go down like the cinematic and pulpy paths, and like the, like mm -hmm. you have in the age environment, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I want to just approach that. Like, yeah, uh, the. The skeleton for this, for the system is modern age, essentially. Um, however, uh, one of the great things about collaborative development, right? And kind of being in a shop with other developers is that you kind of get to see what they're doing. So mm -hmm. basically while I, before modern age came out, um, it's draft was taken um, and was kind of used as the skeleton to build the expanse, right? Except the expanse innovated in a couple of ways. So whoop, I get to take those innovations back with me when I work on Cthulhu Awakens. So I worked on Cthulhu Awakens. And what was happening while Cthulhu Awakens was happening, um, uh, Owen, Casey Stevens, uh, and, you know, and other people were working on the new Fantasy Age core, which also has some rules innovations. Uh, so whoop, I took those too. Um, so basically I was able to combine these, uh, and also kind of take some, 
long-term threads in developing age and put them into Cthulhu Awakens. So mm -hmm. that means there are a couple of exciting things. Like, so now modern age, um, gentle listeners, uh, has three modes. They're basically dials that you can turn for uh, how plausible you want the setting you want play to be. And, you know, you have gritty, uh, which is no matter what level you are, you are still as tough as a normal person and bullets are very bad for you. Uh, <laughs> and getting hit in the head with anything is bad for you. You get to pulpy where you're a little tougher. Um, you know, you can yeah. maybe take a shank to the gut, but it's bad if somebody pulls a gun on you. And then you have cinematic, which is, you know, 90s action hero. I can't say 2000 action hero. I think John Wick <laughs> is more on the on the pulpy side in spots. I haven't figured out John Wick quite yet. Sure. Um, I just watched maybe those you'll the see first time. supplement okay. when I do. But uh, one of the uh, but in Cthulhu Awakens, we kind of have it permanently set as default between gritty and pulpy. Um, it, your you know your health your resistance to injury doesn't go up however uh toughness which kind of absorbs a blow coming in uh it works against it works against uh sharp implements but not bullets it works against blunt and sharp implements but not bullets so um that's the default however because we are able to borrow from you know other developments in the age system we have uh, fully ported fortune from the expanse as an option, right? Oh, that you can turn on if you want a more adventure action oriented game. And uh, so consequently, uh, that's something that's integrated throughout the text. So all the creatures have health and fortune options. Uh, so it should be a switch that you can flip fairly seamlessly. Um, and we have a couple of other dials in that that are a little different from modern age. Like we have like, um, because we're covering an enormous period of history, for example, the equipment is modular. Uh, so we have a weapons list that has a handful of basic things. However, we have a number of qualities that you can add to them to, you know, if you want to make a Tommy gun, you add quality A, B, and C, and you've got a Tommy gun. Um, you know, the same if you want to turn a staff into a spear um, or you want a really fancy kind of sword like, oh, uh, the big Dao's that the Chinese National Nationalist Army issued. Uh, I'm a sword guy, too, so talk about swords sometimes. But the, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, the uh, so if you want to have those specific things, you can have them. Right. Or you can just not bother drilling down to that detail and use the basics. So we have a number of dials like this, and a lot of it has come uh, from seeing other age designs and iterating on them. So the item stuff, for example, uh, it has precedence in the Modern Age Mastery Guide, which has just come out. Um, hey, that's out, the Modern Age Mastery Guide. People should also buy that one. Yes, it's a fine one, and it's available now. And uh, you know what Brad's doing right now. Yeah. So, but that came in turn from the expanse, right? Because okay. the expanse does item qualities, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cthulhu Awakens has its own take on item qualities. And if you want to mash the games up, which is actually not very difficult at all, you would hmm. probably choose whatever option you like the best, right? Because okay. um, the item quality system is not used as, it's not like a player crafting system. It's just for the convenience of being able to throw a specific piece of equipment together. So it's really nice to sort of stand on the shoulders of, of well, not giants, but like, you know, a series of normal-sized game designers. <laughs> I'm not going to pursue that. <laughs> How did you end up, you know, if, has Cthulhu been something that's been in kind of the back of your mind for a while? or I was... I was originally going to do this as a modern age supplement, just a straight modern age supplement. Um, And uh, however, the pandemic hit um, and that meant that uh, we had some modern age releases kind of pushed forward, like like modern age powers. uh, The book after the mastery guy is written and it's laid out. (laughs) We just have to find a spot for it. Right. Um, right. So, you know, um, oh, yes. And the collected five and infinity uh, adventures for threefold uh, is also waiting for its slot. Right. So I so with two books ahead and at the time not being sure exactly what we're going to do, uh, the question was, well, what to do with this? Because I had this as, you know, a one and done thing. Uh, and it was actually, uh, Owen Casey Stevens who came up with the idea. Well, why don't we do, I think at the time we called it a mini core, which was maybe not realistic since the finished product is going to top 300 pages probably. But, uh, the idea is like, well, what if we just take the modern age rules and apply them so people have a complete rule book, right. And we can say it's powered by modern age. And that will point people back to the modern age core, but at the same mm. time, you know, they don't have to have it. Yeah. There's room for, for growth here. And once we did that, that was actually in the middle of the book being written. Um, I, uh, I went back and I ported all these modern age rules and that created an opportunity to revisit um, a lot of the rules in modern age. Uh, one of the things in the mastery guide uh, actually are, there are some uh, official, and I'm making scare quotes. Um, yeah, there it? are some official rules updates, right? Mm-hmm. Which are basically what I recommend after yay many years of running the game. This is what I recommend you should do. Um, nice. So there are some, and, you know, and there are a couple of spots that we missed, right? Like the rules for fighting with two weapons are real vague. And uh, there's no, there were no rules for how to fight with two weapons if you didn't have a talent, and it wasn't specific about like what kind of weapons the two weapon fighting talent applied to. So, um, so That's we created you, a bunch of talents to cover that, and we created a default rule and we added them there. Nice. Um, the rules for cover were kind of wonky, so we mm-hmm. changed those. Um, and a bunch of other things, right? And also, this is something that's in Cthulhu Awakens, but you may know, like, we added something very 
elementary called the the simple test. So basically, one of the things is in age games, if you score doubles, you get these stunt points, and you can spend them on stunts. Mm-hmm. And but there are a bunch of exceptions to that. <laughs> so that we didn't put under a common banner. So yeah, you got simple tests and simple tests are for things like initiative is a simple test. You don't gain or use stunt points on initiative okay. and any role prompted by a stunt is also a simple test because otherwise right. you would have an endless chain of stunt points potentially. Right. Okay. Um, so there are a lot of small refinements in that. Um, we took the relationship rules and expanded them into bonds, which can cover uh, ideological things. Um, there are also forms of them that uh, you don't control. Right. So this com- that came from kind of like Blue Rose type of stuff, right? Yeah, it's coming from Blue Rose. It was also part of modern age. Uh, okay. Relationships were part of modern age. Um, but in Cthulhu Awakens, they're kind of core because bonds are bonds are essentially a feeling or position about a thing mm-hmm. that your character has, right? Um, and there are personal bonds, which uh, are the ones that you control. And there are external bonds which are an involuntary influence on you because there is a difference between, you know, um, Oh, what's a good one. Uh, okay. You ever see point break? Oh God. No old one or new time ago. (laughs) No, the old one. There's no new point break. Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Patrick Swayze, but there's that scene where they're chasing where, you know, Kenny Reeves is chasing Patrick Swayze. Uh, I forget the names of their characters and it's irrelevant. Uh, And, you know, uh, Swayze hops a fence and Reeves jumps after him and falls on his bad leg and falls on the ground and has uh, Patrick Swayze in the sights of his pistol and can't shoot him and just screams and shoots up in the air. And uh, if you've ever seen... Oh, what is that movie with the... Okay, this is where I start to lose names. Simon <laughs> Pegg. That movie with Simon Pegg, where he's a cop. Oh, I don't know. Well, we're not talking about Shaun of the Dead. So... No, so what after Shaun of the Dead? Oh, I can't remember. Okay, well, I got the I... in front of me. <laughs> it's obviously important we figure this out. But the point <laughs> is that... Um, he can't shoot him, right? So that's right. not like that can't be a relationship in the blue rose sensor as we had in modern age before, mm-hmm. uh, because they only help you, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this is more. So this would be a thing where like it's an external bond, right? So you know uh, that friendship is just you can't you can't shoot your friend no matter how right. much you hate him, right? So, you know, I wanted to introduce things like that. And also Absolutely. our approach to the way the uh, mythos changes your mind is also represented with uh, external bonds, right? Oh. So basically what will happen is, you know, if you have uh, something that uh, is stressful coming up, then maybe the GM will just spend your bond points on some stunts that are bad for you. Uh, and that, and those are called uh, those are from what's called your terror bond in the game. Aha! You mm. lose control. 
Yeah. Yeah. You lose control. However, you also have an enlightenment bond because one of the things in Awakens is, uh, well, you know, okay. So Lovecraft, when he talks about going mad, is talking about literary madness, right? Um, And, you know, nothing at all medical. And there's a whole debate about how appropriate literary madness is. Um, But we kind of came to the conclusion that we, instead of engaging with that, what we would do is we would talk about what the mythos does, at least in our game, which is the idea is that it causes your mind to adapt to the rules of the mythos, the rules of what we call the unseen dimensions, right? The secret majority of the cosmos that is normally incomprehensible to humans. Um, However, if you gain enough, you know, if you gain enough of what we call alienation, right? Um, If you will gain an enlightenment bond as well as the terror bond, the enlightenment bond allows you to understand it better, right? Um, However, that's because your mind is becoming something other than human. It's becoming adapted to the mythos, right? Um, So it also distances you uh, from being able to function like a person in a world with, you know, uh, three physical and one temporal dimension. <laughs> so I, I don't want to, I don't want to run you too long. Um, but I mean, for folks, if you haven't, um, had a chance to fund the Kickstarter, um, simple, you can find it on, you can find a link to it on the green running site. I think the moral of this story is if you're listening, you should buy all of these and then judge for yourself. Yeah. Well, well before the show, we were going to talk a bit about some stuff that happened today. Yeah, I, I'd really appreciate it, Malcolm, if you would bring that up because it comes full yeah. circle to part of your rationale. Uh, you know, the plural you, the rationale for for your take on Cthulhu and actively, actively combating the implicit racism that has sadly been behind some of the Lovecraftian stuff. And, and unfortunately you've got a story to share. That's really disappointing, almost hurtful, but it's a good thing that it's out in the open. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing is uh, there were, you know, we had 10 people working on Cthulhu Awakens and it really, um, was a number of people's creative energies coming together. Uh, And uh, they, you know, and you can, you can see them on the Kickstarter page. And, uh, and I was really happy how everything kind of mixed together. My job as developers often to just kind of, you know, polish and emphasize the stuff that I think is really good and distinct and also just perform the integrating function too. Um, and you know, when you were entering, I was thinking about like, I guess the common thing is that having the challenge of a problematic creator is something that can sometimes inspire you to do creative stuff, uh, yourself. But in the case of Lovecraft, we have distance and here's the Mm -hmm. thing. Here's, here's me. Okay. I'll get to the point. So I am a huge fan of empire of the petal throne. Mm-hmm. Um, Empire of the Petal Throne was the second tabletop role-playing game ever published, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it 
was made by a fellow named M.A.R. Barker. Um, well, he, uh, there are so many things about this, right? Like he yeah. was a noted linguist. He's a specialist in South Asian languages. And he created several conlangs for uh, Tecumel, the world empire of the Federal Thrones is yeah. set in, right? And there's even a complete course to learn one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of cultural detail is amazing. And also it was a non-Western fantasy setting, specifically yeah. its primary inspirations were South Asian and Central and South American. Um, one of the um, notable factoids uh, was that the physical traits associated with white people were vanishingly rare on, on Tecumel, right? Mm-hmm. Like colored eyes are, you know, seen as strange and bad luck. Um, and, you know, uh, most people had uh, an appearance that might be likened to South Asian or Central American, although they belong mm-hmm. to an ethnicity that is completely fictional because I think... Uh, it happened. The game takes place thousands of years in the future. Right. Um, and, you know, it combines that with like, you know, a lot of classic planetary romance uh, tropes mm-hmm. because Tecumel is a former colony. War, and it's just amazing. A truly alien aliens. Uh, deep. And, but here's the thing. Uh, today um, I discovered that Barker uh, in 1991 under a pseudonym um, had almost certainly uh, written a violent white supremacist novel uh, for the same uh, publisher that released the Turner Diaries. Uh, The Turner Diaries being famous for among other things, uh, being the inspiration for Timothy McVeigh. Um, If I I remember right, it is, it's beyond even the types of white supremacist Nazi literature that we have unfortunately started to become exposed to more often um, yeah. because of, of rising fascism in yep. English speaking countries. It is mm-hmm. a fantasy um, about a Nazi conspiracy uh, taking over, I forget what, I don't know if it's the United States, the world. I didn't yeah. read it too deeply right. <laughs> when I saw it. Um, it is absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Um, and it breaks my heart because I I was a huge fan of Tecumel. I had even inquired about doing some work in that setting professionally. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, and I imagine, and it's, oh, I feel injured by it and i'm not even the kind of and i'm not even the primary target of the hatred embedded in that kind of stuff but you know i think you don't have to be to no you don't have to be it's everybody's responsibility it's everybody's responsibility but i can't you know well like i said like you don't want to pat yourself on the back for for pouring something that is morally obligatory right right um and i am shocked and at the same time, there is, I don't want to say at the same time, because that sounds like immediately I'm walking back on it. Simultaneously, um, you know, it, it does point to, you know, the creator creation 
relationship and how you should approach it. And I think I have felt comfortable working uh, with stuff derived from H.P. Uh, Lovecraft because he's been dead for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And not only has he been dead for a long time, but several communities have taken up uh, those ideas and right. done their own work with it. Right. Um, and certainly used it uh, to express progressive ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole, you know, it's a whole genre of literature. It's very wide and it's not limited to one story world, right? Um, and the question, you know, and people have, have also brought this comparison up, but I think Barker passed 10 years ago um and this book was published in 1991 and that does not feel like enough time has passed yeah and certainly uh tecumel is also a specific intellectual property right um like it's it's managed by a nonprofit, uh the tecumel foundation and um you know it's not sort of a collection of ideas and names in the way the mythos has become um especially in the Cthulhu Awakens approach. Um, But it is a specific world. And, you know, that I think that makes the connections much tighter. But the funny thing is that, you know, I think if I think back to some of the stuff in Empire of the Petal Throne and Tecumel, there's certainly the use of some, uh, you know, racialized language here and there. Mm -hmm. But nothing nothing that would have prepared me for anything like that. It was certainly more within the range of, you know, what pulp fantasy fandom uh, would feel fine talking about in the 1970s. Right. Um, But this is disgusting. And since then there's been some discussion and I can't verify any of it that he was apparently a, a dedicated, you know, that he had a lot of anti-Semitic books yeah. um, and things like that. And there are questions about like, at what point various people knew about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know anything about that. Uh, I actually wrote the foundation to ask. Oh, good for you. Yeah, good for you. Because I was so disturbed mm-hmm. by it. And I get, I, I have a, I, what, Here's a guy who obviously had built an RPG, had his name out there amongst the fans, but couldn't use his real name to write that type of material, Mm. you know? So, you know, felt like he had to hide who he was, you know, it's almost coward. It it is cowardly to me, in my opinion. Well, yes, it is cowardly. Um, It's, it's cowardly and it's disgusting. Um, I've heard suggestions that it was some kind of prank or something, well, certainly doesn't look like a prank. It looks like over no. 200 pages of not a prank. <laughs> and uh, oh my God. That doesn't sound like a prank if he wrote 200 pages yeah. and then went to that publisher yeah. specifically yeah. to get it printed. Yeah. Yep. Or, Even if it's a prank, that's a prank gone way too far. Well, I don't know. You know, like I said, I don't know the context of it and I want to know more. Yeah. I guess for me, another thing I think of is that you know, a lot of these denial reactions coming around 
they do remind me of some of my interactions uh, with uh, fans of of the Cthulhu mythos who really cherish some of Lovecraft's stuff and you know and I think it maybe they have had the experience that I had but they chose to take it in a different direction Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like obviously you know um, I have never been at ground zero for uh, besides someone who just just discovered H.P. Lovecraft was an enormous racist, right? But each of those people has been in that situation, and I can only imagine being someone who really values this material and has read read all the stories and loved them, and then uh, discovered the kind of person Lovecraft was. And I guess the yeah. the choice you can make is. Um, you can either accept the reality of it and accept that it matters and come up with a coherent position about your relationship with those works for Mm -hmm. yourself going Mm -hmm. forward, or you can just yell about it until people go away. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Using increasingly strained justifications. Right. And certainly I have encountered that. Right. I've seen it uh, when people are talking about like, you know, the the dice breaker article certainly, you know, annoyed some people, (laughs) but even but I'm not going to lay it all on them. Like, you know, uh, certainly people have seen the the pitch and the concept and the press release and all that stuff. And they decided that, you know, uh, we were. Uh, derivative woke idiots who would just you know screw everything up right Mm -hmm. Um, and that if it was only it was only the only racism is the racism we see and you know the the points are the points that you hear from these people all the time yeah about the same things all the time and And, and it's and it's louder than it used to be and it's louder than it used to be and well because it's become amplified from the highest reaches oh geez you know it's getting bugs that jesus out of me is that is a huge thing in freaking star trek now like i i'm a big fan i'm a big fan of star trek Mm -hmm. and you know the thing is is i don't think the newer shows are flawless but i can't talk about them because if i if you know if i say i thought this plot in season four of discovery was weak immediately some racist is gonna think that i'm i'm high-fiving them yeah right because their whole interest is to denigrate that show um because it has because there's a because there's a black woman in the captain's chair right that the show is fundamentally about a black woman (laughs) well here's the funny thing is is they don't these the people that do that are the same people that don't realize that star trek always pushed that's right the barrier yeah you know Mm -hmm. they always did that they were always you know kirk and o'hara's kiss online right um it's the is the big one that you know people will it's it's, i mean it's the the risk of ideology over people mm -hmm. right Of, of identity politics over the people involved well, that's the thing that and those same people will say that you're the one pushing that right yep. but it's always like it's so psychologically elementary isn't it right like these are the people yep. who make fun of safe spaces right but they right. can't stand it when you disagree with them 
Um, and, mm. you know, they'll, uh, you know, they'll threaten you, kick you out of their communities, things like that. Right. right. right? Um, and, you know, they're the ones who say that, like, you know, uh, you that we can't handle, you know, raw, pragmatic reality. But they're the ones who have an entire media apparatus devoted to telling them comforting goddamn lies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, you know, oh, like we can go big with Fox News, but even in fandom, <laughs> right? Like you have, like, you know, yeah. these show, these YouTube shows, right? Yeah. Which, you know, there's one, there's one that all it is is fake rumors designed to make people who don't, people who don't like diversity in Star Trek and Star Wars and yeah. things like that feel better by telling yeah. them that like, you know, discovery is going to get canceled next season, which they've said every season since season one, right. or that Kathleen Kennedy is going to get fired or like all of these weird parallel yeah. like that. And Doomcock, all of these weird parallel universe fantasies that these people have to indulge yeah. in. When you know what, all you can do, you know, if you're run, if you bump into something, and sometimes I think these people, right, who are mostly men, right, mostly uh, white men, yeah, are they run into a thing where something they like was problematic, or they, you know, put their foot in it, and they have two choices, and the first choice is to maybe take a little bit of shame on the cheek but feel aghast that this happened, right? Because who wants to be seen as a, no reasonable person wants to be seen as a racist. And, and if you, if someone mentions that impression, right? Like, I can't imagine a more embarrassing thing. So you want to confront that own, own the fact that it happened and then remedy it. And then you can move on and have fun, Right. Or you can decide that the most important thing was your own goddamn ego, right? You can, uh, you can take an attack on your fandom or whatever as an attack on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you can personalize it, decide it can do no wrong. And then you'll listen to anyone who will comfort you. Um, and yeah, I think it's garbage. <laughs> it, you know, we've, we've, we've pushed this idea of, yeah. of DEI for quite a while now. So I'm glad you brought this up because um, we've said it before that this community, you know, so the story the you told tonight TTRPG. was actually shocking. Yeah. 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 You know, mm-hmm. you know, meeting you, meeting Troy with Green Ronin, meeting other folks at Or This yeah. is one of the most inclusive, relaxed communities on Twitter we've seen, but there's still that undercurrent. And you've just yeah. kind of talked about that undercurrent. That's not always, it's not always seen, but it's there. And I just yeah, want to just be one there. thing, because if you go to Congress right now, if you go to the mm-hmm. American Congress, I think there's at least three women that are pretty horrifically racist and a couple of gubernatorial oh. candidates. Oh, um, more than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so. to, to, to bring this full circle, though, because I think what you just said, Malcolm, help, I think brings us to a really nice 360 close. It's really commendable what you all have actively sought to do with your interpretation of Cthulhu in terms of saying, look, we realize we realize it doesn't always look great that we're saying, we're, we're out there saying, look, these elements are unacceptable and we're moving past that. We're doing something better. We're doing something good, right? And I think wow. that's just really cool. 
Well, thank you. I'm flattered, but it is morally obligatory. It is. <laughs> right? I know. Unfortunately, so. it, and unfortunately it, we have to use that term because yeah. there's so much that is out there that is just pure evil that you have to describe mm-hmm. it that way. It is yeah. that way, but you have to describe yeah. it to qualify. Yeah. yeah. But it's morally like, like, thank yes. you for the compliment, but you know, I just think this, I just think the system and the setting and the way they work together and some mm-hmm. of the funky monsters we put together are so cool. Like, yeah. My enjoyment of this game is really on the lunkhead level, and that's and that's how I appreciate. It. <laughs> yeah, like because I think that's what has to work for a for a game to work, right? Like making sure it's yeah. inclusive, you have to do that. You have yeah, to. Mm-hmm. and yeah. and you know, and you can explore some really cool ideas. I think that's mm-hmm. the thing is that once you have that on the agenda it just opens up the range of things you can do. But yeah. Yeah. I also think it's really important for a role-playing game to work on the dumbest level possible, yes. which is like cool powers, cool monsters, oh. cool rules, cool stuff to do. And I actually, there was on Yen World, this guy was like chuckling, oh, does that mean you can use skirmish to push back a Shoggoth 20 feet? It's like, yeah, you sure can. Right. <laughs> like, you know, listening to when I when I said on the call, listening to some of the other folks that you all had invited to to, in effect, kind of play test the game and go through. I didn't have a chance to play, but I read through all the material early on. And the and unfortunately or fortunately, that didn't even what we we're when we've been talking about with what's morally morally obligatory. I didn't even, and maybe it's my naivete. I didn't see, I didn't look at it that way. I just looked at it and said, look at, I mean, you've put a sandbox out there for a, uh, a world that we haven't really, that Jason, I know I haven't really played it. And mm-hmm. now you've given us a true sandbox for it where we can play it without um, yeah. touching on things that we're not comfortable with, you know, or, or, or just plain wrong. And be right and be cognizant that there is this issue, there has been this issue, and that we 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 each have to do our parts as GMs, as players, as as developers, as publishers to make this right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming back. Uh, we're looking forward to you eventually being the only guest who's been on three times. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I had fun tonight, and I would have fun another time. Well, you can you always can be, you can, you can be, when Jason finally kicks me out, you can actually be the guest host. Yeah. So we'll talk next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Malcolm, thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, folks, again, go out Thank and look at uh, Cthulhu yeah. Vikings. Um, it's awesome by everything. Modern Age Mastery Guide. Um, all of the Modern Age stuff. I'm yeah. not going to show my book. Oh, there's a little cyberpunk supplement that's coming out at some point this year, too. Ooh. I've been kind of soft announcing it in various places and this Ooh. is one of those places you have okay. my attention yep so thank you again you'll be back again we got you we, yeah. we somehow got you back a second time so we'll we're gonna get you back a third or more so all right, all right. thank you much thank you well i told you know i mentioned before we we said that it was worth listening to the whole thing and i don't think um i i definitely agree with that Mm -hmm. just because i think that listening to malcolm talk about cthulhu awakens that game fascinates me and we were lucky troy was lucky to give us kind of an advanced copy of some of the material right and i sat in on um malcolm's introduction of the game um right before the kickstarter yeah you did so um 
I only did that because it was an offer and they want an honest opinion. I actually think I've been wanting to play a Cthulhu like game for a while. Mm -hmm. I think this is one where I can play and based off of the whole conversation, I can play without, and I can't talk, I shouldn't say it this way. I can play and enjoy it because I know that we're in an environment where we don't have to do any manufacturing of equality or anything like that, if that makes sense. And, and also, as he said, just mechanics wise, there are some greater options than norm. I'm, I'm with you, Brad. This is, this is the first time that, that I have, have heard about the details of, of any Cthulhu based game and, and think, Oh, you know, now, now I'm interested. Now I'm curious. So, you know, with that, let's just wander straight over to the jam corner. I'm still playing catch up with material that I picked up in March. And um, I started going through a little bit of critical roles called another deep, the book that came out middle of March. Yep. Any Um, initial impressions? um, So far so good, but I am also a little bit um, biased because I did watch uh, Vox Machina. Which we have still not talked about. Yes. that that Uh, For the podcast, I mean. Yes. Yeah. So uh, more to come on that, but if you haven't watched it, Prime Video, right? Prime Video. Don't yeah. watch it with your children. No. If you haven't watched it, it is laugh out loud amusing. And by the end, you can't help but be compelled by the story. Oh, yeah. 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 And it is, it has a little bit of, I loved the um, anim, Japanese anim type look to it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, it is not. It is not a cartoon for children, um, at all. But it is if you're an RPG and you haven't watched it. If you're a gamer and you haven't watched it. If you like, oh, sorry, I'm hammering the table and Jason's trying you're, to tell me yeah, not very excited stop about hammering the table. <laughs> that's um, great. <laughs> well, that's going to mess with people's quality. ears. Yeah, um, that's like worse than getting rickrolled. Um, Thank you. That that. Ugh, it's going to be in my head all night. <laughs> but, you know, I want you to know I'm never going to let you down. <laughs> You're gonna never going to let me go? No. So point being, um, watch the show. Um, oh, yeah. I've just started getting the book because I've been behind um, on some other things. Yeah. And a um, couple weeks back, um, what got me going again in the D&D realm was you and I played, you DM'd. Yeah, so much. A while fun. back, a one just shot. Just a one shot. Yep. Just and a one based shot off left. of Vox Machina, I wanted to play a bard. And if you yeah. haven't watched it yet, you need to because then you'll understand why I wanted to play a bard. That's right. So I played a. Uh, There's so much um, to unpack there. Yeah, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Jason is a phenomenal DM. Well, um, no, I no. learned as a DM. Um, things that obviously I had missed was we were learning to play. It makes me. We still haven't had a chance because of everything going on, but really, um, Jason, you're, you're, did you travel already or not? I can't remember. Things have been so busy. Yeah, I just, uh, um, uh, actually, as weird as this is, <clears throat> excuse me, as this episode drops, I'm not actually here. Okay, there we go. Yeah. We'll, so we'll Jason's, just leave it at that for yeah, now. Jason's, yeah, Jason's traveling, but because of that and because of work and everything like that, we haven't gone back to play my game but and we're going to one shot um more um i'm starting to jones again to yeah yeah. determine than ever yeah so um, yeah i'm i'm excited so that's that really it's been a D D focus how about you um a brief update on 
on the book process, on the book progress, because this is as as everyone is listening to this. Hi, everyone. Um, it is the first days of May. Well, if you're listening as as it dropped, it's the first days of May. Uh, we have been essentially done with the full draft, polished draft of the book for a few weeks. Uh, we are hanging on, though, to uh, write one more extra chapter, extra compared to the original plan. All right, everybody, you hear, heard it here first. As always, be well, stay well. We will see you next week. <laughs>